0: They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Hey everybody, welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein and today we're going to talk about Smackdown Live for December 20th. 2016 uh joined as always by wrestling Inc. founder raj Geary. raj how's it going good how are you doing doing well man and do you want to introduce our additional guest this
1: morning yeah we got wrestling Inc. feature writer uh chris calicut chris how's it going i'm doing well thanks guys i appreciate you having me look forward to uh talking about smackdown it was another good show i believe
0: Yes, we're going to go through Smackdown Live segment by segment, match by match. And then after, we're going to talk a little bit about 205 Live. uh, Talk about what happened on Talking Smack last night and sort of where we're going into next week uh, right after the holiday with Smackdown Live doing their wild wild card final uh, concept that was introduced last night. And I'm still not entirely clear on. So uh, we'll talk about all of that and more on this week's episode. So let's start with how the show opened last night and with smackdown live uh we were in Detroit Michigan and uh we finally had the match the title match between James Ellsworth and AJ Styles for the WWE title uh Chris was this was this all you had been hoping for
1: well they were going to dub it what the Motor City miracle you know they they had to (laughs) throw off something there but, uh, you know, it, 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 I posted something this morning. It was what it should have been. Um, as much as, you know, the buildup and whatnot is exactly what it should have been. It should have been AJ being dominant uh, to put Ellsworth back down the card a bit. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it should have been. Raj?
2: Uh, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I think, uh, I, I mean, you, you know, James Ellsworth, he's basically been uh, – he's – been there to allow AJ Styles to keep running in place since he's been done with this feud with Dean Ambrose. They don't really have anyone else until Cena comes back next week. So uh, I don't think it's helped. This feud has helped AJ at all. But, you know, him destroying him, I think, was the, the right way to end it. Made AJ look strong. Uh, you know, he, he looked great. And um, I, thought, I thought this was the, the perfect way to, to kind of end this whole whole thing.
0: It was just odd to me after all this buildup, the delay, doing it at this top of the show. um, I mean, my first thought was seeing how just annihilated Ellsworth was and how quickly it was over as I was like, well, this this is over now. Like Ellsworth, uh, the shine is off. Vince is over the joke. And I I thought this was going to be his exit uh, for a while until he showed back up later in the episode.
1: Yeah, I was starting to wonder exactly how long that WWE contract was for. Yeah, uh, Was it for a month or, you know, for a year? But uh, then, you know, we saw later in the show with Carmelo, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a bit. Yeah,
0: yeah there was no comedy in the Ellsworth-Styles match. I mean, that was the thing. There was no, they didn't do anything to, to pace it out or really make it a feature. To me, it was just like, well, we have to get this over with, almost. I mean, it wasn't a very entertaining match, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I, I was entertained. I thought. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think you want a competitive match between Ellsworth and AJ. Not well, even, not even a little.
0: But i um, but something. I mean,
2: an Ellsworth match.
0: I mean, let's not, you know put too uh, long a tail on this kite but I mean an Ellsworth match has some qualities to it as we've come to know it right I mean it's got a little of that sort of um you know silent film era where he's you know running around he's doing his little hijinks I mean this since his first match with Braun Strowman I don't think we've seen anything this straightforward um or lacking in some sort of entertainment or goofy charm
2: Well, yeah, Yeah, but the story, oh, sorry, Uh, because the storyline has always been like AJ would toy with him, right? And then Dean would, Dean would cost him. But now you got Dean out and now AJ just wants to get it over with. So I thought, I thought it was appropriate.
0: Yeah, so uh, it was what it was. And he did show up later in the show, which we will uh, talk about as we get to it. They did carry him out on a stretcher, which I thought was a a very nice touch. Um, So that match ended with Dolph Ziggler coming out. And talking about their title match that is said to happen next week and then of course that was interrupted by baron corbin um so that came out it set it up for later in the show that there was going to be a ziggler corbin match um I'll, I'll ask you both this uh rush to you first do you think that it's wise for them to do anything sort of a ziggler and corbin which it looks like they're going back in that direction now given that i mean I forgot how long that went on, but wasn't that like Baron Corbin's first three months in the WWE on the main roster was him feuding with Dolph Ziggler?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they're back to feuding. I mean, they might be because they don't really have anything else for him right now. I, or yeah. if this was just something to get them to next week and, and make it a three-way. I, You know, I I like that they're trying to move guys up the ladder. Um I, just the selfish part of me wanting to see a, a one-on-one AJ Styles Dolph Ziggler match just because I think it'd be fantastic, even though, I mean, if, without question, you know, Styles should win uh, and clean. But, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, I, I hope they're not going back to Ziggler and Corbin because they, they did that to death already, and, and it wasn't that great to begin with uh, the first no. time.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree there. Um, I'm glad to see Corbin moving up a couple steps. Uh, I, I think he has, you know, wh- whether you watch Talking Smack or not, he's fantastic on Talking Smack. Uh, and so, so is everybody else as far as that goes, as far as the unscripted promos. But uh, I like seeing him moving up the card a bit. Uh, big powerhouse, his finishing moves, Deep Six is fantastic. Um, I watched his work on NXT and saw him grow from sort of the ground up. He's one of those WWE projects. So I'm sort of glad to see it for him, but I don't want to see too much of Ziggler and, and Corbin again, because again, we've seen that for three months already. But if it moves somebody in the right direction, I'm okay with it, you know, for, for a bit.
2: And, 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 and we'll talk about this when we talk about 205 Live, but they got to move Talking Smack and 205 Live because it's yeah. weird to go from SmackDown to 205 Live and then back to kind of SmackDown with Talking Smack. The, the flow they know. is just odd. They know they've got you captive waiting smack. for Talking
0: Smack. smack. I, I
2: don't think that many people stay. I bet you Talking Smack viewership is down since 205 Live started. Oh,
0: absolutely. But Gotta but be. look, on yeah. the network, the network viewership is a game of inches. I mean, you know, they they know that if we can get, you know, 100,000, 50,000 people that, that want to watch Talking Smack Live, that will watch sit through 205 Live to get there. Um, I mean, I think they're just tossing everything they can at it right now.
2: But I bet you they could probably get more if they had 205 Live before SmackDown and then Talking Smack, you know, Mm -hmm. right after.
1: Oh, no, I agree. Right. And I think also they they would keep the crowd. That 205 Live should warm up the crowd for SmackDown instead of everybody heading for the exits. Um, And it's basically, you can hear a pin drop in most matches for 205 Live right now. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Oh, uh, go ahead.
0: <clears throat> I was just going to say, production-wise, though, look, they're invested in the Cruiserweights and they're invested in 205 Live. Talking Smack is an afterthought. They're like, hey, if we get half the viewership we used to get for Talking Smack, I mean, that costs them nothing. And anything of note that happens on there gets folded into the uh, the recap package at the opening of the next SmackDown. So I think, yeah, I think the Cruiserweights are more their priority, you know?
2: Uh, I mean, it remains to be seen. I'm curious to see if 205 Live does more viewers than Talking Smack. Um, yeah. Right now, like, okay, so on, uh, if you look at the most popular shows on the WWE uh, network, uh, let's see here, 205 Live doesn't appear on the first page. So it's, uh, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of where it's at. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's great that they're committed. But I think there's an issue with, like, if you had NXT, airing at the same time as two hundred five live right after SmackDown, I think you'd have the same problem. Mm -hmm. I think uh, just people tuning out, the the masses don't watch it. Uh, You know, it's more, you know, you got a percentage of the audience that watches it every week. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think moving it before is probably the right thing. I mean, ideally you'd have a separate taping, like you do it with the NXT tapings or something. But problem with that is you also, you have to tie it in with raw, which is live and, you know, if someone gets injured at the tapings, you know, on Raw, and then you have them taped for the next four weeks, you know, on 205 Live, it, it causes continuity issues. But uh, I think, yeah, just a simple thing is just move it before.
0: Yeah, I think um the challenge that they're facing now is, you know, a little different than the one before. I mean, the idea coming into this year was probably like, let's get the broadest audience possible for our product and get as many people possible to pay attention to our product. And now I feel like they're, instead of going wide with it, they're going deep and saying, let's take the hardcore fans and trying to get them to watch as much of our product as possible um you know and doing that way whether it's uh raw smackdown nxt the cruiserweights now the uk title i just think it's going to get to a point where how much is too much with all the pay-per-views i mean raj we've talked about this before in terms of fatigue i mean can you go week in and week out i mean chris can you go week in and week out five days a week six days a week at what point do you just go i mean for me it got to the point where i think at four days a week i was like okay you know what nxt is no longer because so many people moved up i was like "I, i can't watch nxt week in a week out with that regularity. Anymore.
1: Right. I think I'm actually one of those in the small percentage that uh, is a glutton for punishment for sometimes. <laughs> uh, so where, you know, I cover 205 Live for the site as well as NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, and to those, to I me, mean, to me, those shows are enjoyable. Those are sort of my niche market. I've grown up watching the Cruiserweights. I was a WCW guy back in the day with the Cruiserweights. So I like the reincarnation there. But when it comes to like, say, SmackDown and Raw, the differential there at 930 watching Raw I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's an hour and a half left. 9.30 on Nine Thirty on SmackDown, I'm like, oh, it's time for the main event. It's just two completely different feels. But uh, as far as viewership fatigue, yeah, obviously I get that as well. But uh, I'm one of those that likes the vast majority of the product.
2: I think, I think where it really hurts, too, is like independence and like TNA and Lucha Underground. Because by, you know, by Thursday, who's ready to watch more wrestling, you know, right. and especially, you know, lower budget you know, uh, stuff that's been taped, you know, sometimes for months. So, uh, you know, WWE, they're oversaturating. It hurts their product, but I think it really hurts the indies too. Like, I don't know how many people, I, I, I'm, I'm really rooting for Flow Slam. I hope they succeed, but I wonder how many people are going to have that desire right now to catch even more wrestling than, than what's already on.
0: And that could be strategic. I mean, that could very well be how they how they compete right now. I mean, you know, they do those surveys. WWE sends out those surveys all the nope. time. And they probably realize, I mean, look, Lucha Underground, what the L Ray Network is in, a teensy percentage of a fraction of the country. I think most people that watch Lucha Underground, probably a good percentage watch it illegally in some form. Um, I think that, yeah, WWE probably looked at it and was like, you know what, we can take this out we had one or two more programs to our weekly rotation and their, their, uh, viewership, there's going to be just too much, too much competition for eyeballs at that point.
2: I mean, it, it definitely could be, uh, I, I don't know. I doubt they worry too much about it just cause Looch underground's doing maybe a hundred thousand viewers a week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, especially this season you don't really hear anyone talking about it anymore.
0: yeah it's so. weird how that dropped off right I mean especially like with uh with uh with Ray coming to the show I mean you would have thought that Lucha was gonna like it's it, the way things typically go with the buzz it had going into season two that's where things go go wider and go bigger mm-hmm. and instead of just boom off a cliff in terms of me hearing people talking about it or reading about it
2: yeah well I think at first you had it it was different you know which is great but at some point you need to have that's that storytelling that keeps you invested. You can't just be different anymore. And I think when you're when you're having the deaths and all that stuff, because you, you got your wrestling wor- world, right? You got your wrestling universe, and uh, and then you know each TV show, Game of Thrones, they have their own universe. Lucha Underground isn't removed enough from WWE. You know ROH. They're bringing in you know Rey Mysterio under his real name. I mean his mm-hmm. his you know WWE. You know the name he's been using forever. And then to have people dying and coming back, it, it, you just don't buy it at all, whereas you would on a normal TV show. You know what I mean? Like on a Game of Thrones, when a major character dies, you're into it. It, 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 it resonates. Whereas on Lucha Underground, it doesn't at all, and it just seems like kind of a waste. I think the storylines need to, need to change to more like just the basic, you know, two guys you want to see wrestle each other, and they have a season to kind of build that up, and, and they go at it at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I see. I like the, what I've watched of Lucha. I like the shades of like that they're they know like a little hat tip to like a Mortal Kombat type feel or uh, movies like Bloodsport. I like that they're doing stuff that there's a little more cinematic and narrative and storytelling. But yeah, but that's the problem, though, is that with everything going on with Lucha, I'm like, I'm going to catch up the high points in the recaps after the season. I don't feel like I need to watch it week in and week out.
2: Yeah. And, and to that point, if you're doing that, I think that's great, too. If you're again, if you're completing your if you're creating a completely different universe then don't have the guys come in with their old yeah. WWE gimmicks and things like that. You know, like when you get a new actor on a TV show, they don't come in with their old character. You yeah, got to give what them. They
0: spent for Ray though. I mean, for, I mean, they're not yeah. going to rebrand him. I mean, that that probably was half their talent budget or, or a quarter of it for uh, a season.
2: Yeah. And, and that's, but I think that's where you get into the issues where when you're bringing them in as they're, old selves, yeah. then you, you, it doesn't keep your environment completely different.
0: Yeah. It's best so. suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah, um, which which it takes some to, to be a wrestling fan in general. Um, so so kind of segueing back to Smackdown Live. though. So this is what I think the problem is then now. So we're in this ultra competitive environment for stuff to watch. And we've got um, Corbin and Ziggler last night. And then we follow that immediately. We follow the, the uh, setup for that match immediately with what yet another replay of something we saw just a few months ago. And that's the Miz versus Apollo Crews. I mean that—that's where I worry that they're just. Last night felt like they were going backwards in so in so many levels because, uh, Chris, to your point, it's like if I'm watching all of this and I feel like okay, I've seen the Miz versus Apollo. You know, I mean that—that that was a buildup. That was a pay-per-view match that they mm-hmm. had for the title a few months back. It's like it, you know, if you have the option, are you gonna you're gonna DVR through that match, Are you gonna just skip and watch the high points? I mean, is that gonna hold your attention for a complete segment or two?
1: Well. In a sense, this is sort of the rebirth of Apollo Crews back on television, starting with tribute to the troops in a way, uh, to where where he got a little bit of shine. And I think this match was probably one of his better matches um, on his main roster run. Even though it was short, he was able to showcase his skill set. Still doesn't have much of a character per se, um, but as far as his athleticism goes, I mean, his skills are off the chart. So um, I'm okay with them trying to rebuild him as a contender um, to give Miss something to do until this Ambrose thing rolls around. So. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, Glenn, I mean, it's not like they're going back to that feud. This was a throwaway TV match, you know, which half the, more than half the matches on WWE yeah. TV are pretty much filler, you know, they're mm-hmm. to kind of, so this was used, you know, just as a setup to build the Ambrose, uh, re- you know, uh, storyline. And I, th- and I thought they did a great job of that. I love that, that Miz promo at the end and, yeah. and the way he does He's totally believable when he does that stuff. And Renee Young slapping, I, th- I thought that whole bringing that relationship in, I think it just made it way more real than a lot of the storylines they come up with. And I, th- I thought that was, that was great. And, and what Chris said, i yep. thought apollo cruz looked really good so well,
0: apollo looked fantastic uh, definitely you know I, I worry if they were to, to do it as a storyline again but so we'll talk about uh what happened with renee in a second question to you guys because I, I didn't watch it i skipped it i assumed it was non-essential viewing this year tribute to the troops like way invested in the continuity of, of both shows, right? I mean, I've heard I heard references on Raw, too. People were talking about, oh my God, following up on what happened, a tribute to the troops. Um, I think that was interesting this year that that was a full-on uh, storyline advancer and creator. You, know?
1: uh, did you, uh, did you Did you watch it, Chris? I did. Um, they actually intertwined some storylines on both brands fairly well. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't your typical everybody pop for the baby face win in five minutes and go home. Um, most of the faces did win still besides maybe the Wyatt family, but you they're, they're quasi face anyway. Um, so, you, you know, but th- they sort of intermingled the storylines fairly well this year. It had sort of a different feel to it for sure. How do you do
0: the riots at tribute to the troops? I'm the eater of worlds, but I respect (laughs) protecting our country. You know, it's that's so like, just keep some people out of it when it gets to real life, you know?
2: Yeah. But I I will say the ratings were way down for tribute to the troops. And I think to a fault, they continued the storylines well for for instance and and i know a lot of people are gonna as soon as i say this there's gonna be backlash but hear me out i don't think the new day should have lost the tag titles at uh roadblock last sunday because they had just announced the match on tribute to the troops which a fraction of the people watched you know that that watched raw so they never even announced that match on raw they had mm-hmm. just made a big deal about new day setting the record so why not build that match for a couple of weeks say like you know, Cesaro and Sheamus coming saying they want a rematch. And then, you know, over a couple of weeks, you know, add a stip saying if Cesaro and Sheamus don't win, then, you know, then it's uh, they got to disband or something like that. Like they're done as a team or Sheamus says we're done if we don't win the tag titles, and then you build a tag title match on Raw and, and do the title change. But just doing it on a show where a lot of people didn't even know uh, there was a tag ma- match set, I think right. was, a, was kind of a mistake
0: yeah no it's odd because tribute to the troops I mean I've I've caught segments of it in the past yeah it's it's a feel-good thing that WWE does I mean it's patriotic everyone feels good about it we give a lot of love to our armed forces um but yeah this year I mean some because I had the same reaction you did at roadblock um you know when that match happened I was like I don't remember that there was a tag title match and you know having it announced there uh and it was on on a Wednesday I mean on a night that typically people aren't tuning into the USA for that it just it was very odd to me uh, to to feel like there was something I missed on all programming this week. Cause I didn't watch that, yeah. you know, so I don't know. Um, but so let's talk about what happened with the, uh, with the, Oh, Whoa, hold on. I'm getting a loop back there. Um, so yeah, uh, let's talk about what happened with Renee and the Miz. So it's been hinted at, they did everything leading up to this point. I mean, talking smack, there were a lot of jokes that were made, um, about it, but The Miz Fawn calling out Renee Young um, for her relationship with Dean Ambrose and Renee slapping uh, The Miz as a result. Um, so what do you think about this, Chris, as far as uh, involving renee the storyline i know online everyone was like well this is gonna be more of a total divas storyline that they're shooting it for as far as renee's sort of reveal full on with this but um what do you think about them sort of involving you know an announcer and a performer in in an angle like this based on real life
1: right and i think we actually had an article earlier in the week that talking to renee young about whether she would wrestle um and and she would say sure um but she has absolutely no training Uh, So I don't know what exactly this is leading to, but I enjoy the reality type of feel to the storyline. And, you know, I really do think that they could go somewhere with this because you have Maurice there as well to play the foil to Renee. Um, So I think this instead of making you feel like Ambrose is going a step down, I think this actually makes it feel like a secondary main event feud. even though I don't know where it's going, but I like the potential.
2: I agree. I thought uh, to that point, like, you know, if you were to hear Ambrose is going to feud with the Miz next a month ago, you would think it's a step down, but they're feel like they're doing enough to make it feel, feel important. So um, I like it. I don't think it's going to lead to like a match between Renee or Maurice. They could always do. They could always do like a tag with Ambrose and Renee and just have her do, you know, a couple spots. But I think, I don't know if that fits Ambrose's character really. So, Uh, I think it's just to, you know, further the feud. And and I liked it. I like bringing reality into it more.
0: I, I would uh would pay money, not a large sum, but to see that, to see Dean Ambrose with Renee doing a tag against the Miz and Maryse. That just sounds like such a goofy, weird match. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because we've seen the announcers get involved in the... I mean, Summer Rae on NXT is a great example. She went from being an announcer to feuding with Paige in NXT a few years ago, um, you know, and doing stuff in the ring. But yeah, I think with Renee, that's her background does not suggest that bumps are in her
2: future. Right. I mean, yeah. they could do the... Even though they don't really do that anymore, but you know, the angle where they start fighting outside the ring, you know, the whole cat fight thing. Uh, But I I think that's, that's best where to limit to, but you know, I thought Renee, Renee is so good just at everything she does. Like, and so I thought she, she made it believable and Miz was so swarmy as a heel that he made it believable. I, I was surprised Ambrose didn't come out or do anything, but you got, you got time to do that.
1: What I really liked about it was the very end. After she slapped him, she was throwing off the microphone. She looked ticked off, and she went storming down toward a, to the uh, timekeeper's area. I thought that was just sort of a nice little acting touch that made it feel, you know, real. So,
0: um, so speaking of real, that was followed, interestingly enough, by a promo segment with Natalia, Carmela and Nikki Bella, and um, yeah. That, uh, you know, was, was I mean, that was really real, right? I mean, this was, uh, between this and on Talking Smack, you know, I'm not saying it was on this level, but this was like Natalia's pipe bomb, right? I mean, this was her laying it all out there, her grievances, um, her issues. And I'm not saying it had the effect, originality, or interest of that, but this was Natalia laying some very, perhaps, real um you know, gripes that she had uh, against Nikki Bella talking about, you know, uh, Nikki and her relationship with John Cena, Natalia feeling passed over. I mean, did, I guess the the best question with this is, you know, did it make you care about this this feud going forward if we're going to see now Nikki and Natalia going at it?
2: I, I, I personally thought this segment just felt like days of our lives until like, I'll admit the, the line about, you know, Cena not wanting to marry Nikki was good. Um until that it felt way too soap opera-ish. But, you know, I'm glad they did the reveal because this this whole storyline was getting a little long in the tooth. And uh, you know, I like seeing Natalia involved. She's she's the best I think she's the best her and Becky Lynch are the best wrestlers on the SmackDown brand. So um yeah, I thought I thought I thought it was fine. Uh especially with that last line, but uh them having to say bitch over and over to kind of like every, you know, they're like doing that with all the women's feuds on SmackDown to like, you know, put an exclamation mark on it. It seems a little forced, but, uh, but yeah, it gives them something to do.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat there. Um, I even had a note that this was total divas 2.0 because even though the Renee stuff kind of felt like it, this definitely personified that to me. Um, I haven't really cared for this story Uh, storyline from day one this gave me an inkling of hope that there's something to it but uh this one just hasn't done a ton for me since since the the jump
0: i thought it was good um you know at least as far as advancing things but then talking smack it was a little too bullet points at the end Um, i don't know if you guys watched that but natalia just again i'm a heart you know who my uncle is I was you know just this whole i mean that that's my only issue with talking smack because sometimes you can tell it's like when they do improv and then they realize they get to the end of the well of the stuff they were supposed to say and they just keep going back to repeating those same beats again and again
2: um, yeah it sounded like natalia didn't know what she was supposed to say for for some of those questions you know like uh so she just didn't know how to wing it storyline wise because she probably wasn't given you know any heads up on kind of what to say
0: and as a heel uh, you can always just respond with well that's a stupid question you know you can just always <laughs> sort of like shoo it away i mean heels have the easiest out ever with that so it's amazing to me that they don't um that they feel the need to to just sort of go on and on and on you know um so yeah that was interesting last night you know we'll, we'll touch more on talking smack um a little bit later uh, but Dean Ambrose versus Luke Harper last night. So, uh, Chris, what did what did you think of this match with uh, the Orton, uh, Randy Orton, Luke and Bray coming out there, uh, ending with uh, Dean Ambrose winning, but then getting attacked by the Wyatts? And uh, that sight of Luke holding up the belts, man. Like again, talking about you know mixing yeah. sort of mythology with um, the real world. That just looks kind of goofy to me to see a backwoods guy holding up these uh, Roman gladiator-inspired bright blue belts. <laughs>
1: Well, what I did like is actually, I think Luke had them linked together and then hung them around his neck instead of carrying them on each shoulder, which I thought was kind of a interesting touch. It, it sort of fits their persona. Mm-hmm. But Luke Harper has been a great hand for WWE for how many years now? And it's finally taking taken them this long to sort of let him loose a little bit. I mean, he, he's really good in the ring. Personality-wise, he, he's only going to be but so much because of who he's associated with. He's sort of the quiet assassin of that group. But um, I'm, I'm glad that there's finally a little bit of a spotlight on Harper. Uh, the match was fine, um, if not good. And uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. I really like the attack. And then Miz picking up the scraps was probably my favorite part of the, se- the segment.
0: Two guys wrestling in jeans. You don't see that every day.
2: Uh, no, I, th- I think they need to give Harper some wins, though. You know, like yeah. the, he he just never wins and really comes the, with every week. You know, Rowan was kind of in that role, and now you know Luke Harper just they keep making them look like the weak link. But I gotta ask you guys this: if you put Luke Harper in a black leather suit, you got Mick Foley from Raw, don't you think?
0: <laughs> you got like a weird sort of leather daddy, straight out well, of you know, Folsom Street Fair, going on.
2: They're looking similar.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't know if that's the best, the best move. But I mean, with the you know, with the Wyatts, we talked about this um, the other night. When we were talking about the belts. I think the Wyatt should get should do like a Wyatt. If they're gonna keep those belts, they should do a custom Wyatt makeover on those belts, something that matches them a bit more. You know, because uh, for me, that's what just takes it out. I think with the Wyatts, they really have to protect the context they present them in, and they do in most fashions. But yeah, I would love to see them get something akin to like um, Foley's, you know, original like uh, hardcore champion belt.
2: You know what I'd kind of like to. You know what might be kind of cool is if they did they expanded the freebirds rule and added a fourth member, and any four members could defend the title. And you bring in Chris Hero, yeah. as a, a member of the Wyatts, and you have him and Luke Harper kind of, you know, uh, as another dominant tag team. So you got like two dominant, you know, f- you know, a dominant tag team, and then Bray and, and Randy Orton, and I think that would really, re- you know,
1: they're already re-energized, but add even more to it. There, there's really only one spot Chris Hero should go on the main roster if he's gonna be on a tag team. That's back with Cesaro. But I digress there with the with the Kings of Wrestling. But
0: Yeah, I'll be curious with Hero. So if I mean if have you heard any more about this, roster? are they really gonna bring it back as Cassius Ohno?
1: Oh, I don't
2: know about that. I don't I don't I don't think they've decided that. Um I I would think enough time has passed and now they, they don't they're not forcing everyone to change their names that uh, they wouldn't feel compelled to do it. It's not like Cassius Ono g- got a big name in NXT that they yeah. they have to stick with it. Um, so I, I, I doubt that they would go back to that, but you never know.
1: Because especially now since they already have a KO. Yeah, you that's know. what I was going to say there. The, you have Kevin Owens this, already has that sort of same mantra. So they kind of have to go with his real name this time around, I believe, just to keep the notoriety.
0: Yeah, you know, I think uh, Chris Hero, they can do a lot. uh, He's got a very versatile, and he's been very versatile in his look and his characters that he's done. So I'll be curious to see how they present him coming back to the WWE. So uh, in a moment, we're gonna talk about what were my favorite segments of the night. And I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. But first, I wanna take a moment and give some love to our sponsor of this episode, which is DDP Yoga. You've heard us talk about it here week in and week out. DDPY has changed countless lives. Look at the, the current roster. There are guys there like Chris Jericho and Mick Foley that have benefited immensely from DDP Yoga and of course guys like Jake Roberts, Scott Hall as well, uh, Gold Dust, Dustin Runnels, uh, best shape of his life. Credits DDPY for getting him there. So if you've been thinking about taking control of your own health, your own fitness going into the new year, we want you to go to DDPY or part of me DDPYoga.com Wrestling Inc. Because right now for a limited time you can get the DVDs for twenty five percent off, and that includes three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app, or you can just get full access to the app for twenty five percent off for three months uh, using our URL, ddpyoga.com slash wrestling Inc. And I'll tell you, they've got a great deal. You you wanna do this uh, for Christmas, for the holidays, if you're getting someone a gift, because you can buy a max or combo pack at 25% off and get 50% off the second one. So get one for yourself. Get one for a friend or a loved one. Use the buddy system. Work out together with DDP Yoga, DDPY, and take control of your own health and fitness. Stop procrastinating. If you've been on the fence thinking about it, now's the best time to get on board. Head on over to ddpyoga.com/wrestlinginc. Stop procrastinating. Really, seriously, 2017's almost here. You want to look like you did in 2016? Come on. You look good, but you can do better with DDP Yoga, and we thank them for sponsoring the show.
1: That's a perfect uh, New Year's resolution there. Absolutely. And if my video has been popping up, you see I have a nice little um, montage for the, the DDP Yoga Twitter handle, which you can find it there as well.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah, and tweet it, tweet it, uh, DDP Yoga. Let them know that you heard about it on Wrestling Inc. They uh, they love to know uh, that we're giving them love week in and week out. So let's talk uh, a bit about this. I have to say, for me, this, this was uh, the match of the night. Because such a throwback, Alexa Bliss versus the mystery opponent La Luchadora. Um, Chris, I'll go to you first. Uh, how many seconds in before you realized it was Becky Lynch uh,
1: when she said "Olay" in an Irish accent? Um, <laughs> I caught call, I caught on to that one pretty quickly, but uh, I'll be I'll be honest here. She's probably a better luchador than the actual luchadors on the roster. <laughs> yeah.
2: Roger. yeah i had even tweeted out like she needs to stop making sounds because you can tell it's her <laughs> you know uh, i mean as soon as she, they came out whenever you have that over the top costume i think it's usually pretty clear that it's whoever they're feuding with but i thought it was entertaining uh it, it you know for i thought i definitely found it funny
0: but here's what was awesome about this. Becky Lynch wrestled that match in an entirely different style. I mean, now this mm-hmm. is a woman who literally went to clown school. Um, and you could tell watching that. I mean, she, for me, my wife and I were discussing first of all, like, pretty sure that's Becky Lynch right when I saw the outfit. And then my wife's like, oh, I don't know. But then when I was watching the movies, I was like, it was so exaggerated and different. She, like, she was having so much fun with it. I mean, it was just like, oh yeah, yeah, this is Becky. I mean, she took that ball and ran with it. It's been a while since they've done something like this.
2: Uh, yes. Well, it, some people bring it up the L locale and, and, and John Armstrong in the comments is saying how it reminded him, Mr. America. And that was what I thought at first. Yeah. I was like, that would have been great if she came out as Miss America, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and just a little throwback, but yeah, I thought it was a, it was a fun little, you know, old school segment.
0: Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, and I like how it advanced things for their um, for their title match next week. So, uh, yeah, Becky and Alexa rematch for the WWE uh, SmackDown Live women's title next week. Um, yeah, I thought that was a fun segment. I thought it was good. I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about this in terms of Raw right now. And look at what's happening. I mean, now all these stories coming out that Vince, you know, was was never fully on board with Sasha Banks. And he thinks Bailey versus Charlotte is the money feud. And that's where he's going with it. What I love about SmackDown um, in being a little more of the hardcore fan show is that they can do stuff like this. And, you know, Becky, I don't think has as much pressure um, as Asasha Sasha or Charlotte does. You know, I think that they're the face of SmackDown. But SmackDown, in a way, because it is still treated like the B-Show, they have sort of a safety net to do more experimental segments like this. I don't think we ever would have seen this on Raw in the main women's feud.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: so I'm sorry, Raj. Go ahead.
2: I mean creatively um it's funny cuz you know everything is still through Vince um yeah. so it's uh but I mean they do have different creative heads on, on Raw and SmackDown um it's just weird how SmackDown in, in my opinion seems to destroy Raw every week uh you know un, un, unless the, except for the weeks where Raw has something really big happen uh just I thought SmackDown Again, I never was bored t- during tonight's show. It, it, it moved fast, and and even segments like this, I, I, I feel like if you did it on Raw, it probably would. It, there's a good chance it it would be met with a negative reaction,
1: you know. And, and to your point, Glenn, I think you're right in the sense that um, Becky has a little bit less pressure on her. She's the lone horsewoman over on SmackDown, so she's sort of the go-to person besides, say, the Nikki and and the Natalias. So she has a little less pressure. She actually looks like she's having fun. Okay. I mean, that's that's good to see. I mean, a lot of your talents, sometimes you can tell they're phoning it in. I don't think she ever phones it in. I think she she's having a blast out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, it's the women's on. picture on Raw is, and maybe it's just because of Charlotte, um, you know, and I think Charlotte not really always getting over with the audience, you know, and the d- d- when she's on the mic in particular. So I think that with, with the Raw women scene, I just feel like they're on such a big stage. There's more pressure there. I, I do not ever get the impression that even with Bayley, uh, fun is not in the first three words I would use to describe the women's picture on, on Raw. But with SmackDown, I like that we have that. I like that we have that sense of fun in what they're doing.
1: And what's helped this, honestly, is Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Watching her from NXT when she first started all the way up to now, her acting, her facial expressions are spot on. I mean, they're hilarious. They're they're great. Um, and her entering acumen has, has gotten better as well. So she's sort of been one of those most improved candidates for uh, 2016, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, so we went from that to, uh, God, you know, I love when they bring celebrities on the show. It's Because it, you're always guaranteed that it's going to – it's going to be weird. It always is. And we had uh, Ryan Phillippe star of USA Shooter, which I don't know if you guys have been reading about this. That show apparently has been a huge success, like the biggest scripted show on USA um, as far as you know, uh, traditional programming. And that airs after a SmackDown Live uh, on the USA Network. So uh, it's already been picked up for a second season. Ryan Phillippe was there looking for Randy Orton, ran into Mojo Raleigh backstage, and uh, they had a nice back and forth. And then Kurt Hawkins showed up, and, uh, actually, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, that cruel intentions joke, I was like, wow, I actually laughed at a Curt Hawkins, uh, a bit. I thought it was actually sort of clever. Uh, but philippe out doing commentary on the match. I mean, they really shoehorned him into this, a solo match between Mojo and Kurt. Um, so I want to see, you know, what, what you guys think of the match and what do you think they should do with Mojo now that it looks like Zack Ryder is going to be out for at least four months? Uh, Raj to you first.
2: Uh, I tweeted this, or I think I mentioned it in our comment section. I thought this was the best Mojo's looked on the main roster. Um, he 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 looked good. Uh, Ryan Phillippe, I mean, you know, he didn't get booed at the end like most celebrities do, but that's because no one cared. I mean, it was just, like, silent. But I thought Mojo looked – you know, when they did that backstage segment, I thought they were teasing Mojo teaming with Kurt Hawkins because they had tweeted about that, like, you know, Zach Ryder and mentioned it, but uh, yeah, I thought, I thought Mojo looked really good here. Now I, you know, I think if you, I personally think if you turned him heel, got rid of the goofy persona, he could be onto something.
1: Yeah, I agree um, with Raj here for sure. Um, This I think is the best Mojo we've seen, especially on the main roster and he had some fun matches when he was pre hype bro. If he, when he was just Mojo on NXT, he had some good singles matches albeit you're not going to get a 20-minute classic out of him. But as far as his his dominant offense is sort of his football, football style of offense with the tackles and everything like that, he can probably get over with that and sort of tone down the hype stuff a little bit and, and just be good. I mean, I think he's he's definitely a project in the making, but uh, I've never been a huge fan of Hawkins or or um, Mojo, but I thought the match was, was fine and I didn't hate it at all. Yeah, I
2: think it's, it's tough to stand out when you're putting these like, you know, Fourteen matches every week or, you yeah. know, 16 matches. So, uh, you know, he, his football offense, it reminded me of, uh, God, what was this? Monty Brown in TNA. Like, you know, when you do the pounds and stuff like that, I think, you know, I think drop the, the hype bro stuff and, and give him a good run. But you know give what Mojo's got run.
0: in spades that, I mean, a lot of these other single guys don't is Mojo does the Scott Hall thing, right? I mean, in terms of, mojo is not the top guy mojo carries himself like he's the top guy and he will come out to that ring in terms of i mean just the hype and the energy that's not fake i mean kurt hawkins when he walks out to the ring and some of these other guys it looks like you know all it would take is like the dead silence of someone just yelled out you suck i mean you could see like the flinch like they're just a step away from cracking with that facade i think mojo has just got it
2: well i gotta stop you real quick uh <laughs> comparing mojo to scott hall there's a difference between no no no
0: no! it's a scott hall quote scott hall's quote his advice for wrestlers is oh okay if you're not the top guy in the company the fans don't know that they don't know what you're getting paid you carry yourself and you present yourself like you are the top guy that's the scott hall quote and mojo i i, I feel that from him and i've seen him come out and do it to dead silence and empty arena it doesn't phase him
2: yeah, but that doesn't look like a top guy to me. I mean, he comes out like not feeling shy or or, you know, but so did Doink. Um he he's got a he's, you know, there's a difference between a main event persona come yeah, confidence and a prelim guy confidence and I think he could get there. I mean, I think he showed he's got the, you know, he he's he's got the believable offense, uh he's he's got the athletic background. I just think he comes across as goofy as hell when he's doing yeah. his, uh, you know,
0: hype stuff. So do you follow him on Twitter or on Snapchat? That that's him. That that's not the person. I mean, huh. he's that guy. You know? Which is,
1: which is weird because apparently he's a genius and yeah. was like the, the youngest guy to graduate with a master's degree or something from what was it Maryland he went to I think. But uh, I mean, my goodness, his persona and his intelligence level just. Uh, you know, they're, they're like, wait a minute, which one's which here? Well, yeah. just... there, there's ways to do it without looking like a fool too. You know, yeah. like when he made his debut,
2: and you know, when after Rusev destroyed zach Ryder, and he's in Rusev's face, just going like, yeah, "Come on, come on, and not doing anything." You Somebody know? get a
0: clip of that. There was, there was <laughs> yeah. Raj's impression of Mojo Rawley.
2: <laughs> yeah, the good thing I'm really backlit, so you can't see yeah. me too well. But, um, <laughs> he he just came across as anyway so yeah
0: but he commits uh, but look compare him okay and you could tell they like him and maybe it's the Gronk connection right uh, his friendship with Gronkowski but i mean JBL from day 1 on smackdown you know after the draft has been putting mojo over um and compared to Curt Hawkins who uh, which was the commentator they referred to Kurt as Chad Hawkins uh, last night? yeah i mean like when the, when your own announcement team and it's not like he, he was new to the show Hawkins has been in the mix for almost five months now when they can't even get your name right. I mean, that's, that's
1: well, the announced team in general was a mess during this match. I mean, the questions felt forced to Philippi. I mean, they didn't have a ton to talk about in the match, but I mean, th- this was kind of an, a bad segment for the announced team, but uh, yeah. the guys in the ring actually pulled it off fairly well. And you know, you know what I,
2: one thing that's always bugged me when they have these celebrities on is it's clear they're not watching the product. And when they keep that as part of the commentary, like When they're telling him like, oh, you don't know what Randy Orton's like now. Well, that means if he doesn't know, that means it's because he doesn't watch the show. And you should make it that he knows what's going on. He knows that Randy Orton's changed and and make it that he's afraid to approach Randy Orton backstage because of what has happened with the Wyatts, as opposed to making him completely oblivious to it. Yeah. Minor minor gripe.
0: No, well, it's always awkward because does anyone tune in? I mean, unless I could see lapsed fans coming back if someone's hosting. Like when you hear like, oh, my God, the Muppets are hosting Monday Night Raw. I think, well, maybe I haven't watched that in a while. That sounds like a train wreck. Sure, I'll give that a try. (laughs) You know, but I don't think anyone was tuning in last night because they thought Ryan Felipe was going to be on. But I could see, though, people that maybe watch Shooter that tune in early. You know, that's the thing. Shooter is such a big hit now. It's probably in a position to help SmackDown uh, more than anything.
2: Well, I, yeah, and this wasn't done in a way to bring in viewers or Ryan Phillippe fans. It was done just to promote the show. So they didn't make him. They didn't do a long segment with him or anything like that. He was just background dressing. So I thought I thought it was well done. Uh, I, I, the commentary when they're talking about shooter, it just you know is clear that they were you know they, they were told what to talk about. But other than that, uh, this you know when I saw Mojo coming out for a singles match, I was like, all right, this is like a bathroom break match. But I thought this was really good too. I mean, I I thought. This was one of those episodes of SmackDown where uh, there was no like uh, a match on paper where I'm like, all right, I got to tune in and watch this, but everything was yeah. good.
0: Mojo, you know, the, my, my sort of last word on Mojo is this. If you're flipping the channels and you see Mojo for the first time, you might think his shtick is goofy, but he he looks, you would think he's a star. You would think he is one of the main guys of the company. If you're just an outsider looking in, and I'll tell you, um, you know, the first time I saw Enzo and Cass. Same reaction where when I first saw the end I was like, well, this is really silly and over the top. And I was like, oh, yeah, but that's got to be one of the top guys. He's part of the reason people watch, you know, and I think I think Mojo has that same thing. If you look at it removed, just that confidence and swagger. A lot of guys on the roster don't have that. And he does. And I, I'm actually excited about him getting a singles run here uh, quickly what they're doing with the tag teams. So next Tuesday, we're going to have a four way four corners elimination match to to determine the tag team champions between the Wyatt's the Usos um American Alpha and was it the Vaud villains that are the fourth?
2: It doesn't matter. (laughs) Uh Uh, we'll see and Slater. Rhino and Slater, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, an elimination match. I'm guessing it is. Um was American Alpha in that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um yeah, I, I mean, I just don't like how they keep doing these multi-man, multi-tag team matches on SmackDown because I th- feel like people get lost in the shuffle, but um, it it's something, I guess. They've done they've done too many of them, and it's at the
0: expense. I mean, aside from Rhino and Slater, we haven't had a storyline. I mean, with the Wyatts, the Wyatts were pre-existing characters that were dropped into this situation. They've yet to give us a reason to care about the villains, the Ascension, uh, they've barely given us a reason to care about American alpha on the main roster. I mean, uh, Brazongo, like well, complete comedy. I mean, Rhino and Slater, that's been the storytelling in the tag division. Otherwise it's these cluster F matches of let's get 10 guys in a ring together and see what happens.
2: Well, my guess would be, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I hope they don't have the Wyatts lose already because they're on such a hot streak, but my guess would be that either American alpha or, or Rhino and Slater you know, beat them, and, and then that's your tag title feud, you know, going for the next month or so.
1: Yeah, I don't think the Wyatts are going to lose here. There, there's really no reason for them to, but I think this will actually jumpstart a storyline between them and Alpha, possibly. Uh, and I think it'll actually probably get a secondary storyline between um, Slater and Rhino. I think you might see the beginning of the end there again as well.
0: Have you guys heard anything backstage about why the Usos have been so start and stop? Since well, the, they, deal-
1: they they were injured. Oh,
0: gotcha uh, So it is
2: uh, injury. Yeah, yeah. Was it Jay? Jay was Jay was injured. Yeah. yeah. So he he just he was in a cast. I mean, he was on Talking to Smack too, showing his cast the last week or the week before. So yeah, they've been they've been injured.
0: Yeah, they got to do something, man. I mean, American Alpha. There's a storyline waiting to happen there. I don't know if they can tell it against the Alpha uh, against uh, the Wyatts, though. I think it's just again, it's two totally different worlds that I don't know if they mesh well together. Um, so the main event last night, Baron Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. And, uh, you know, they had a back and forth. There was a double count at, it, but man, what does the WWE love to do next week? Ziggler versus Styles. Why not make it a uh, triple threat match and involve Baron Corbin in it? So this is a nice elevation for Corbin to to be in that picture, although I don't think he's going to win. I don't think Ziggler's going to win either. But uh, what did you think about Ziggler versus Corbin, the return last night? Uh, And how do you feel about them going against AJ Styles next week, Chris?
1: Um, I liked the match last night pretty well, actually. Um, They worked. Nicely together. I didn't really hate any of their matches in their previous feud. They just didn't have any substance to work with because Corbin had just gotten put on the roster, but uh, the match was good. Corbin looked dominant. Um, Ziggler got his typical shots in. Uh, I think the the double count out was probably the right way to go on this one, Uh, just based on they they don't want to pin Corbin, obviously, and I think they want to keep Ziggler as strong as they can uh, going forward. But uh, I think AJ has to retain – uh, and I think you might see an appearance from a couple of different people uh, next week to, to go to your next title feud. I think they should have left it
2: um, as AJ versus Ziegler. Um, I mean, unless they got some big storyline in mind for next week, but I just don't think Corbin is quite ready yet. Uh, I think he could use another stepping, you know, another step up, uh, you know, someone like an Ambrose, even though Ambrose is kind of, tucked away and there's not the, the problem is there's not so many there's not enough top or you know upper level guys uh you know orton's with the wyatt's um but i would like to see him do something before and who knows this might be just be a one week thing and then corbin's back down to to you know mid card or upper mid card but uh i would like to just see it uh a styles and ziggler thing but this at the same time you want them to elevate talent. They've had their eyes on Corbin, so you know it's worth a shot.
0: I'm telling you, man, they're going to spin off. I, I just have a feeling Ziggler and Corbin is going to be what spins off back out of this, and we're going to go backwards. Um, I mean, it's it's just the the shallowness of the roster. I mean, there's only so many pairings you can do that are that are plausible at this point, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, so, it, same Same here. I mean, you kind of have to, especially if somebody shows up to challenge AJ next week after after the match, So, which I think is almost imminently going to happen somehow.
0: Yeah, I just feel like guys at that level, I mean, like uh, Apollo, Apollo is another one of them. It's just like they just keep rotating through um, and it doesn't quite stick. Uh, so uh, we should talk about the reemergence of James Ellsworth backstage. And do you guys think they're really going to do? I mean, poor Carmella. The, like there's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be like, that's really like Ellsworth and Carmela. That's Carmela went from Enzo and cast to James Ellsworth. Um, that's going to be a comedy segment. I guess we're going to have for a couple weeks.
1: Hey, the crowd bought it. They were actually sort of whistling and sort of giggling a little bit. I mean, I thought it was going to get booed out of the building whenever she showed up, but I think the crowd actually enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't hate it. Uh, it it'll be interesting to see what they can actually do with this pairing because that's definitely an odd couple type of thing, but uh, if anybody can pull it off, it's probably them. We'll see. Uh, WWE relationship
2: storylines usually don't, uh, y- you can count them on one hand, like the number of ones that really went somewhere. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, it gives Ellsworth something to do. Carmella, You know, I was hoping that Mickey James, like, you know, that would be the feud when she gets back. So it gives uh, Carmella some experience working with, you know, someone at at a high level. And they still could do it while they're doing this Ellsworth stuff on the side. But uh, I don't know, man, this Ellsworth stuff's running out of steam fast. And after tonight, I just don't know what kind of legs it has. It'll be interesting. I don't know what kind of contract he did sign. Uh, I'm doubting it's a multi-year deal, but we'll see
0: it's got to be better money than he was making with this promotion
2: oh um, of course of course you know, i just, i just mean like uh, how long do you keep him on this you know at this level i you could use him for comedy at the you know in the cruiserweight level or, or something or even in nxt but i just think it's 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 wearing out it's it's out it wore out its welcome a while ago
0: well i'll tell you his reaction last night during the styles match was where it was like oh man but then i remember detroit i mean detroit is is a I mean aren't they sort of famous as sort of a heel town in terms of reaction? Like so, I don't think Ellsworth is going to get. I mean, but but during Styles, that's where it was to me. That opening match, it felt like, oh, this is it for Ellsworth because I mean the crowd was just like was like there with AJ, like yeah, let's get rid of this guy, you yeah. know? It's just
1: uh, he could potentially be this generation's Brooklyn Brawler, and he'll never win a match again, but uh, and just go out there and, and get the pop and then lose in two minutes. I mean, that's kind of what he should or could be um but you know it, it, he can actually work a little bit we saw that with the longer styles match he can actually work a little bit i'm sure uh how long he's has he been on the indies i mean several years oh yeah uh, so i mean obviously the look's not going to get him very far but the guy can go a little bit so i mean we'll, we'll see what they find for him in the future
0: yeah. And he, I mean, if you look at his indie career, I mean, he's done a lot of different characters there as well. I think it would actually be kind of funny if they were to bring some of those and have him try out some different sticks and personas that they could probably bring him back for a couple more funny segments, um, going forward, but it's interesting too. Uh, I mean, with, uh, with styles, did you guys pick up on, I mean, a lot of those moves look, looked, uh, Little more pain-inducing than the typical ones, right? I mean, putting them on the the corner of the announcer's table as opposed to through the announcer's table. I thought that was there were some interesting choices there.
2: Yeah, and when he like rammed his head into the rope, I mean, it just seemed yeah. like that could cause whiplash. You know, I, I, that re- immediately reminded me of Enzo Amore when you know he yeah. he, he uh, you know he got he got injured from hitting that rope. Uh, he, he, the offense was definitely different, and uh, I, I felt like the. Uh, the uh, backbreaker onto the announced table was a, a little bit of a botch. Um, but yeah, it, it, it I mean, it looked brutal like the stuff yeah. he was doing and you know, the slingshot, you know, under, under the ring. Um, yeah, I mean, it looked like it hurt, but clearly Ellsworth was fine because he was doing that comedy stuff later.
1: Yeah, Good. I think that was—I think that was on purpose though, just to sort of sell the beat down and the dominance. I don't really think it was Styles being careless by any means. Oh no, I think no, it, no, it, no, it was not at all. Yeah. So I, I, think I, it, I, just, I don't think
2: Styles would ever be careless on purpose. I just thought right. like he missed time to, the the back bump uh, on the table because he missed the table. Gotcha.
0: But I mean, that was like to see a vicious beatdown like that on someone that is a comedy character that's been treated like a fan favorite in the past. Um, yeah, that's where to me, like if you would have told me that opening match that, that Ellsworth was going to be on a bus home later that night and never be in the WWE again, <laughs> I would have been like, well, they must have really wanted to get him out of there. Um, yeah, it, that that was a different tonal, a different tone than uh, what we've seen in previous Ellsworth matches. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, talking smack quickly did you guys watch it last night
1: i did yeah yes i did i did as well
0: uh interesting choice to have rhino come out and be uh the salty
2: santa
1: i i, th- <laughs> I thought he was pretty good he,
2: i i was uh you know when i first saw it, i was like ah oh, no man this is gonna be you know uh and i think if it was WWE scripted comedy. It probably could have been brutal, but Rhino, you know, he was. Uh, I thought he was pretty entertaining. I thought, again, talking smack, I thought was great. It just after two hundred five live, it just
1: kind of kills the flow, and I'm just ready to be done. Uh, R- Rhino Claus was fantastic. I, I was cracking <laughs> up the whole time. Um, it, just the the sort of awkwardness between between him and Renee was was the banter was was pretty good. I thought. <laughs>
0: yeah on know, it's interesting I mean so I think this Smackdown live I mean it feels like the end of the year you know and and it's interesting that both shows are doing original programming uh next week raw we're gonna have raw the day after Christmas then we're gonna have SmackDown the day after that um the, this wild card final thing did you guys get a read on what that means exactly I mean we're gonna have title matches right every title is gonna be on the line next week on Smackdown so that's um, kind of a big show yeah.
1: On talking smack, uh, Daniel Bryan made a point to say that he, um, that Mr. McMahon came up with it. And by Mr. McMahon, he said Shane. Yeah. Um, So I'm sure this one actually did come through Mr. McMahon somehow or another. He just wanted to give it a cool name. Now, I do like that they're treating it as sort of like a mini pay per view at the end of the year. Uh, That gives it a little more importance, uh, maybe to boost a little viewership next week going into the new year. But uh, I I like the concept. I like the title matches. But uh, I think, I think. The uh, tagline was just sort of thrown on there by, by somebody that had a little pull.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, Cena's back, so they want to make it a big show. I I probably would have waited another week just because next week, with the, you know, is right after Christmas. A lot of people are traveling and everything. Um, but, you know, I, at the same time, I, I, I'm glad that it's going to be an important show because uh, the week after Christmas is usually a throwaway.
0: So uh, do you think Cena's going to wrestle next week or is he going to just come back and, uh, cut a promo that sets up a feud
2: my guess would be that he comes back and sets up something with aj
0: yeah
2: uh someone's saying no slammy awards this year nope no slammies this year
0: really that's i mean they could just do that online they i mean they don't need to devote an entire although it, it might be a nice change of pace i feel like wwe creative could use a week off it's kind of like you know that problem when uh, i don't know if you guys watch snl a lot but when snl does too many shows in a row the quality starts to suffer like man wwe creative i feel like these guys just one week out of the year let's just give them a little time to go home get some new ideas well
2: there's it, it's there's not any slammies you know, in the next two weeks, but, uh, they haven't closed the idea on it. So they might do it early in 2017,
0: S- saving it for award season.
2: Maybe. Yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, you know what I love with the Cena returns promos? Um, I love that they remixed, uh, they did the theme, the kind of like uh more somber version of the theme. I wish they would do that for more of the wrestlers. You know, like when they have a defeat, have like, I want, I just want one week. I want Bailey to come out to a sad version of the Bailey theme <laughs> with the two men at half mast, you know, just oh, sort God. of leaning over looking sad.
2: Yeah. I, I thought that, I thought the Cena return promo was cool. I, I think it'd be, yeah, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was cool.
1: Yeah. I like the nice touch of the more somber sort of classical type music, uh, uh, something new, different. It gives him a little more important, different feel than just the same hype sort of John Cena normally gets. But uh, I'm I'm interested to see what happens with him next week. Will he get something with AJ? Will we see another return that may be uh, digging holes, taking souls, stuff like that? Um, I think we might see him show up shortly as well. Yeah, if they're going
0: to build that, I mean, but uh, Raj, you were saying that you don't think Undertaker is uh, scheduled to do the rumble or anything uh, in the near future?
2: No, I just haven't been hearing anything about that and them going in that direction since a couple of weeks ago. So, and and it would be weird to have, and the house shows through the rumble are, are Cena and AJ. Yeah. Um, so it'd be weird to have, so I think you'd have to do something to build Cena and AJ. And if you do that, it'd be weird to build Cena and AJ and Cena and Taker. So yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if the rumble is AJ and Cena, um, I I, I, it you know Undertaker had hip you know hip surgery in October, uh, you know and, and I mean that's three months so I mean we'll see, uh,
1: but and and sort of long term fantasy booking here just looking ahead guys um to get the 16th title I, you don't think cena would get it off of aj would you he would rather get it off of undertaker at wrestlemania i think this is the year you have to do that match right well the 16th title is tying it right so is well, yeah, the bigger one is the that's bigger true. one
2: breaking it you know Very so, true. so you could have cena beating aj undertaker comes in wants one last run at the title or something at the at the rumble you know com- makes a surprise I, I don't know if he appears in the rumble match itself or or comes in after Cena and and, and that's your mania matches Cena versus Taker.
0: Yeah, maybe. Um so 205 Live last night. What happened with Neville? How'd that go? I didn't watch the show yet.
1: I like Neville a lot in this role. As soon as he came out to with this new persona I was like it's about time because heel Neville in NXT was I thought really good. Um so this new sort of edge to him on the promos He's sort of dumbed down his moveset. A lot more power moves, a lot less acrobatics, even though he still did use the red arrow. But the tag match, it was him and Kendrick versus uh, Perkins and Swan. That was a really, really fun tag match last night. So uh, I enjoyed the match. A lot of good back and forth. All four guys look good.
2: Um, Yeah, I just, I, I think Neville, you know, looked like such a, a badass at the pay-per-view that I just felt like a 30 minute match when he comes back, isn't the way to go. I think he should have a couple squashes, just destroy people. Um, but you know, other than that, the match was good. Uh, I, I like Neville in the division. I just think he should be uh, kind of booked al- a little more Lesnar-ish you know, for this division. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I, I, other than that, I thought it was kind of a throwaway show.
0: So wait, so what you're As, saying? Uh, Neville is the Brock Lesnar of the cruiserweight division.
1: Yeah, he looks like <laughs> it, doesn't he? He very well could be. I mean, he did display a lot of his dominance. If anybody else got his, um, if anybody else got any offense on him last night, it was a comeback spot. Like nobody really dominated him. So I think they booked it fairly well.
0: Cool cool off to check out the clips from that online I think uh Neville it's just great to have him back um yeah 205 live and that's the thing I feel like uh it is interesting right now how with all these different brands all these different places where you know I go to NXT if I want to see these guys I go to the 205 live if I want to see these guys Smackdown Raw and now we're going to have the UK do you think I mean this is just off the top of my head but it almost seems like now I know Raw is their most watched show but I think there's an opportunity here I mean do you Think that they should do more like what they've done with the cruiserweights almost treat raw like a hub like what's i mean i'm assuming maybe with the uk guys we're gonna see this like the uk champion will appear on raw occasionally but i think they should do the same thing they should bring an nxt guy or two and they'd be like yeah and if you want to see more of them tune into nxt every week i feel like there's a real opportunity there for them to build interest in these other brands yeah
2: mm, i kind i i kind of like keeping nxt separate um yeah. Because I feel like it gives more of a buzz when they do come in, as opposed to people you've seen. But but you know, a lot of I, like I, I think if you had Nakamura already wrestle on Raw a couple times, it it would dull the, dull the response when he does come in. You know. Yeah,
0: I don't know. That has to be the top guy. I would think someone that's that's more, um, you know, like mid Carter. Uh, and the reason I say that, well, Raj, imagine this, man. We got three hours on Raw. Huh. You're not telling me, like, like between an hour, let's work in the cru- a Cruiserweight, an NXT guy, and a UK guy, and, man, that the other two hours of Raw will benefit from it.
1: it well, yeah. they did actually try that at one, at one time. They had Oni Lorcan come in. I'm not sure if it was on Raw or SmackDown, yeah, but he, he did uh, sort of an enhancement-type match. But if you bring the mid-card NXT guys and do that, that's okay. But I don't want them bringing, say, like a Ty Dillinger, a Nakamura, yeah. a Samoa Joe to come in and just sort of do one off. So if they're going to do that, they might as well bring them all the way up. And and, so. and let's not forget. Remember let's not forget the Vince
2: factor. And remember the one time they did do that when they brought in Charlotte uh when she was the NXT Women's Champion uh and faced Natalia and then, and she was I uh, what was she, was she the Women's Champion or she was challenging for the title. Uh but either way she lost to Natalia on Raw when she had like a title match on on the next takeover. So uh it would probably do them more damage than good.
0: Yeah. They got to come up with just a way with raw. They need to do something with raw these three hours.
2: Yeah, I think the more filler you add that people, the mainstream people don't care about. I I don't think that's going to help. Cause I I feel like the cruiserweights on raw as much as I I like to see it. It's, it kind of gives that feeling of this is the bathroom break match. And, and it had been, I, you know, again, I think Neville could provide a spark if he's booked correctly. But uh, we'll see.
0: And, it's, and the answer is not Raw Talk. I watched uh, that. Uh, no. went back and caught that after the pay-per-view. How <laughs> is Talking Smack so good and Raw Talk so not good?
2: I think Renee Young and Daniel Bryan just have a lot to do with it. They yeah. come across as organic and, and not trying to shill.
0: Yeah, Booker is very um, – Booker's been doing this a long time.
2: I think Booker, they tell him to uh, – is it, it Dasha Fuentes on – raw talk or it, was Char- like, it sounds like no Car- it's Char- 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 charlie
1: Yeah.
2: charlie caruso i feel like they tell booker like look you know you got to make up for her you know like uh inexperienced so he tries to overcompensate a little bit um but yeah they're they're there it just doesn't flow at, at all
1: charlie's good though i like them on the pre-show but as far as like raw talk i think booker tries to play the the grumpy old man at times and sort of push everybody's buttons. He tries to be the Daniel Bryan of that pro uh, that show, but it just doesn't really work. It just sort of seems forced. Whereas if you see Daniel Bryan do it, it actually feels like, Oh, I'm annoying you. Aren't I? Yeah. So, you know,
0: <laughs> the pre-shows have been weird um, since they, they've changed it up right now. So uh Jerry's not there. Lita's not there. So now we've got Booker, um, either Charlie or Renee and um, then they've had they've had podcasters Sam Roberts was on uh, this last one they had another uh, radio personality uh for TLC um you know I, I have to ask this might be like the most stupid mark question that there is but like when a guy like Booker or when lito was doing it on the pre-show they don't do they know where the match or where the story is going um and how they're hyping it or are they just out there like supposed to, to shoot no. with their uh, viewpoints
2: no they don't It's and most of the stuff they're told is on the script. So gotcha. uh, Yeah, they're they're basically you know told to you know this is the way they're going. Right. Like even when they when they do their picks and everything, yeah, uh, Yeah. they're they're told who to pick.
0: That's amazing to me that they would script the pre-show. Like I just I would love to see i would love to see the writers meeting for that where some and i'm sure there are arguments with two guys and one's like i don't think booker would say that man i just i, I don't think that sounds like him
2: you know yeah, i think it's more like let's make sure they don't all pick the person who's gonna win <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> yeah but the last the last couple of pre-shows just haven't been as good i miss the uh the old crew that they had there
2: big tuna um, in the comments saying wwe is like the nfl overexposed i totally agree i feel like yeah. the nfl this season's been right now they got saturday thursday monday and of course all day sunday so it 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 just it is too much
0: and the Ready? nfl's got a lot more diverse i mean in terms of teams with the nfl there's a lot more
2: variety to right but the ratings are, are down this season
1: yeah i was gonna put i was gonna equate that to wwe as well the ratings are down a little bit on both sides nfl and wwe so uh over could be could be the the fall of both brands, I don't think either brand is going to fall in any time in the next you know twenty years. But uh, you're starting to see it a little bit. Yeah, and right now um,
2: with the NFL, they they got double digit uh, double digit drop in ad revenue because of the <laughs> wow. the drop in ratings. Now raw WWE, they're fixed uh, for what another year. Uh, another two at most and then when it's time to to re-up if the nfl is dropping in ad revenue i can't see the rights fees going up Mm -hmm. we don't know where the tv landscape will be then but um yeah it's not a promising sign when the nfl is is dropping uh on, on that end
0: when i think a part of its consumption the way people are consuming it has changed and we're not that good at how we track all these new methods of consumption
2: but you can, tra- you can track revenue. <laughs> yeah. no,
0: that's true. Well, no, with that revenue, you certainly can. But I think that's the thing. I think you're going to see, I mean, you're going to see those ad buys shifting to, to you know, uh, smaller screens as it were, and people shifting how they do media spends. So um, that'll, there'll be interesting to see how that further develops. But yeah, all in all, I thought this, you know, again, man, I mean, it, you look, SmackDown by just being two hours can... It's very hard. I'm realizing the more we, we go on and on with this new era and post brand but like it's hard for SmackDown to have a worse show than Raw, right? Just because of the time, like they can do more with less.
2: Yeah, they've done it a couple yeah, times, yeah. but for <laughs> here and but consistently, SmackDown is the is by far, in my opinion, a better show than Raw.
0: Yeah, And goodness. it's not like
2: they got better talent or anything. Oh, no. Uh, it's just, I think, the time and uh, and what they do with the with the wrestlers. And it's not the same guys. Well, I eh, take that back. No, but I'm it is.
0: telling you, <clears throat> Vince, Vince thinks SmackDown is the B-Show, so he does not micromanage or put as much pressure on them. It feels looser. It feels like they get to take risks more. Um, there's just something different about it. I mean, whereas with Raw, Raw feels like... I, I could just see Vince going beat by beat, you know, and then at the two hour 15 mark, like this is what happens.
1: It yeah, um, so doesn't feel that way. Yeah, I could be wrong. Um, but as far as SmackDown goes, isn't their head writer, the former head NXT writer as well? Yes. So mm-hmm. I think that sort of, that writer brought NXT to one of its big stages. I mean, it brought it to, a, to its rise. So maybe we're sort of getting that same style and feel from SmackDown as well.
0: Um, someone was asking quickly in the comments about uh, I think we'll see a 20 women rumble. Um, I don't know. And I think that it would be hard to do that well. I mean, didn't NXT do something like that for the contendership spot? Um, after Bailey left, they had like a mega women's match. And it was just like, I don't know any of these people. It was it was uh, really awful. Yeah,
1: it, can't, it can't be 20. I mean, it might be 10 or 15 because they only have, what, 12 active on the roster, pretty much 12 to 15. So, I mean, uh, unless you brought some, some indie uh, girls in i think 10 would have to be your max just to keep everybody recognizable yeah. you could do like a, a
2: 10 woman royal rumble match on like the raw before or smackdown or even on the pre-show just to kind of get people you know hyped and in some surprises and stuff like that and you can even have that where mickey james returns and, and wins it right so it, it gets people pumped it and uh i i'm i'm for it i i, I agree with you guys i think it, it would have to be 10 but um uh, they just have to. I do think it well. they should do it. Don't yeah. put it on
0: the pre-show. Don't make it the opening match. Do it as a cool-down. Worst case, um, but uh,
2: I don't think you should have two Royal Rumbles on the same card. Uh, it's you know that's that's overkill.
0: It should just be a non-stop. Run- Actually, I would tune into a pay-per-view that was a non-stop. Three hours of people keep entering the Rumble um that would be a hell of a pay-per-view um but you know i think with the women's stuff i'm looking forward to them doing more tournament i think they need to develop more characters and storylines with the women as opposed to just putting them all out there i think it would sort of get lost in the shuffle um but we'll see the women's tournament supposedly happening next year so we'll see how that uh that goes cool any final thoughts before we wrap up here guys
1: that's good for me Uh, if you guys want to Hang out with me on my personal Twitter. It's at knockdown underscore radio. I talk, you know, wrestling and uh, the sports world abroad. So y'all can follow me there and um, cover 205 live and NXT for the site. And uh, you can hang out with me on the wrestling Inc. Twitter uh, during raw and smackdown and pay-per-views. Yeah. It's, it's
2: going to be um, kind of a slow day. It's slow week until after Christmas. There's no WWE live event scheduled. Um, but then, you know, then it, it kicks back up big time next week. So, yep. um, so yeah, to everyone, everyone watching, thanks for making this a great year. Merry Christmas to everyone. And, and, and yeah, but keep checking out the site cause that doesn't mean the site, you know, we're not going to have a ton of stuff cause we have a, ton of articles already scheduled for this weekend. So make sure to keep checking it out.
0: Cool. And programming up for the podcast. So the podcast is going to be off all next week, but we will be back here in 2017. Uh, me, Raj, and Matt Morgan on Monday, January 2nd to talk about WWE Raw in the new year.
2: And we will also have a podcast section on the site uh, to make it easy to find like back episodes, watch it live, and everything. So that's coming in early 2017.
1: Very nice. I just want to thank you guys again for having me on as well. Enjoyed it.
0: Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thanks thanks, everyone for listening. Uh, If you like it, leave us a review, subscribe on iTunes or YouTube. And until next time, everybody, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Have a happy holiday and we'll see you back here in 2017 on the Wrestling Inc. Podcast. Take care.